Hello, my friends, Nigel here, and welcome to Backable, the podcast where we explore the top performance habits in both business and life. This week, Tim is joined by Claire Wood, business coach, money mentor, and the host of the extremely successful and aptly named The Claire Wood Podcast. We discuss how the stories you've been telling yourself about money could be holding you back. We talk about her work reprogramming the brain with a million-dollar mindset to unlock the next stage in your financial development, and Claire shares some simple strategies she's used to launch her podcast to number two on the iTunes business podcast charts. With a formal introduction, I'm here speaking with Claire Wood from the Claire Wood podcast. And Claire, as we were just saying before, I'm really excited to talk to you because we're in a very similar space in our professional or our professional lives. Maybe we're turning into full-time media people, but in our <laughs> professional lives, um, helping people you know, build their businesses, achieve their life ambition and um, I guess do the things that they may expect not possible until they meet people like yourself. Can I start with, you're an accountant? Yeah. <laughs> I want to throw that at you straight up. Yeah, so I, I am an accountant by trade. I, um, I'm a CPA and I started my career in the accounting space and I, I came pretty quickly to realise that it wasn't wasn't the right gem for me, but it's been such an incredible grounding. And you know how they say everything in life happens for a reason? I obviously had that background because I've now come to focus in on money and the fact that I've got those qualifications and I know my money has really come to support me in, in this role that I'm in now. So, yeah. And I was just going to tease Claire a bit because being an accountant, like you don't come across as an accountant, sorry, because you've got some form of personality. So I'm just going to tease all the accounts out there. But I, I'm only joking. I love my accountant, by the way. But I, the thing I really liked about that, because particularly for me in this sort of space around business coaching, consulting, and all the things like that, I for me, there's a credibility in actually understanding numbers. And we'll we'll talk about, you've got so many exciting things on your plate at the moment, but particularly for me around that area. Do you mind if we start around your, I, I guess, the way you help people with numbers or the way you see numbers in generally people's lives? Because I think this thing is something that's very poorly understood by not only entrepreneurs and small business owners, but people at large, they do not fundamentally understand how finances should work for them. Yeah, absolutely. So like you um, touched on, you know, I am an accountant by trade. And when I first got started in my career, I was very, very much black and white. You look at the numbers that's on a page and that was my truth. And then the longer that I've been in, in business, what I've come to realize is that people actually have lots of fear when it comes to money, lots of fear when it comes to talking about money and unlocking the potential in the way that they think around what's possible in their business. And I'm sure you do this with your clients as well, but it's actually starting to look a little bit beyond the black and white that's on the page and starting to unlock a belief inside you that you can create whatever it is that you want to create while balancing that with the realities of invoices that you need to pay, <laughs> setting targets, setting financial targets, tracking your financial targets. So the work that I do, I call myself a business coach and a money mentor 
And the reason is because I, I really focus in on both the space of money mindset and empowering people to believe that they can create anything it is that they want and also the side of money management. So once they believe it's possible, making sure that they're not spunking money that they don't have and that they're staying right in the detail. Tell me that because I agree. I think around relationships with money, I mean, it's a thing that I think is interestedly educated in our early lives around some of the old habits of money is the root of all evil, all this sort of thing. I'm from the completely opposite side, which is money is a vehicle and by generating more economic impact, you're generating jobs, you're able to share experiences, you're able to help other people. So I was lucky enough in my life to meet some seriously wealthy people early and I found them the most generous people on earth. So everything that I sort of had conditioned prior to that, which is money's difficult, money's bad, is like, well, that doesn't stack up with the people who've actually got it. And I'm, and I'm sure that's when we're dealing with relationships with money, how do, you, how do you recondition people that may have perhaps developed an untrue idea of what money and the purpose of money is? Mm, I love that. And TK, you are so lucky that that has been your experience because a lot of people have had the opposite experience, myself included. You know, I grew up in a family. I don't want to play the, the poor me card because, you know, let's be honest, I grew up in a very privileged <laughs> upbringing compared to a lot of people around the world. But, you know, I'm one of five yeah. children and... um there, there just wasn't really a lot of money when we were growing up. And yeah. then when I got my first, I think at 25, I was earning $100,000 a year. And I was suddenly like, whoa, this is the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> and I was just spunking it, having so much fun. I was living in London, living my best life. And so I've had these experiences of, you know, of having no money, of having lots of money and, and no real financial obligations. And, um, and coming to understand that our experiences, positive, negative, start to shape how we feel about money. And I guess a lot of people's ideas around money are based on their own experiences through life. So if you've had, uh, you know, times where money has been really tight, or if you've had your experience where you grow up and you're like, money's just an amazing vehicle, then guess what's going to happen? That's going to be the feedback loop in your subconscious mind that money's healthy. It's a great thing. People who've got lots of money are, are lovely and kind and generous, but a lot of other people don't have that. They have, have had negative experience. They've had, um, you know, a wealthy people that were unkind to them. And so all of those little micro moments that happen shape our belief system. But the cool thing is with beliefs is that because that's what it is, it's a belief. So we can change it at any point in time and it can either change subconsciously through something we experience or something that happens, or we can consciously say, I'm choosing to write a new story for myself. And through the money mindset work that I've done, that was what I chose to do. I chose to write a new story about money and no longer is there fears around scarcity or anything like that. I now start to, like you, TK, have a belief that money is a really positive thing. It unlocks so many opportunities for personal freedom and for creating, you know, positive ripples in the world. So the only way that I did it was through the conscious, conscious work to reprogram those money stories and money beliefs. I really like that, Claire, because I, I think for me particularly, um, I also came from, a, I would consider a privileged background based on the rest of the world, which is had parents that were still quite working class in their behaviours around earning money. 
work a job, you pay for what you need to pay for, whatever's left over, you save or hold for a rainy day. Not really investment mindset or anything like that, which was loving, hardworking, intelligent parents, but just not focused on wealth accumulating wealth. So this was a whole sort of, I was around friends and getting to know them and I'm sitting there going, whoa, whoa, they think about money completely differently. Like some of the things that I would have thought are not possible is just their normal day. And for me, I like to challenge myself now because I spoke on an earlier podcast that about 30, I started with basically nothing. I wiped myself out in my 20s a few times and not because of any mismanagement. I just, I have a good idea. I'll put everything in it. Literally, that's a great idea. Sell everything and put it in it, right? When you're 20, sometimes you're not as smart as you think you are. So we had that. But when I was 30 and started to get a bit serious with my now wife, it was like, better provide some form of security, you know, being a bit sort of old school, you should provide type mindset. But we started saving 50% of everything we earn. That was our rule. Everything that we earn, we save 50% for investment only. And if that meant there wasn't enough for food, we'd find a way to eat, but it couldn't be out of that 50%. And so we, we changed our habits early on and I'm, I'm 40 now. And for me, that had probably been the most significant shift because I understand money, but actually having something in practice that you start be getting a compounding effect, you start having some more free money or money that you can access for different things, it does fundamentally change the way you view the world, doesn't it? Because you're actually open to ideas. You're not trying to find something that you can't pay for because when you don't have money, you don't look for the opportunity. Have you had that experience with your clients too, that it's actually subconsciously closes them off for looking for ways to make more money? Well, I guess that's the thing about money mindset is that in my opinion, there's not really a right or wrong. (laughs) What to some people will be holding on to money too tightly will to other people be sensible and for long-term and for other people, you know, when you spoke about your, in your 20s that you're making these decisions, I'm like, Richard Branson did a lot of that and it worked out pretty well for him. So I think <laughs> that everyone's going to have a really different value set around what is right and wrong for them in terms of how they spend and invest their money. Yeah. But to your point, my experience has been that when you have money, it's easy to make more money. Agreed. And I definitely know that when I've invested in courses, programs, working with an amazing business coach, that the leaps that can happen inside my business are massive as compared to you can't unlock opportunities. So yeah, I definitely do agree that money makes it easier to make more money. But I do think that everyone's got different values around it. And money mindset is unlocking what is a healthy relationship with money for you. I challenge myself sometimes, Claire, and I wonder if if you do something similar because I feel comfortable with my relationship around finance and the way finance works and, and the pathway that my personal finances are on. But I sometimes wonder where have I reconditioned myself to be comfortable? And I always like to challenge myself of, oh, is this just comfortable for a certain type of level? Is there another another level that I should be thinking? And I, I get challenged a lot by my mentors, which is, but why are you comfortable? And why are you comfortable? And I realize I'm around some fairly high performance (laughs) type of people because I'm trying to get that sort of insight. But do you ever have the same feeling of I'm sort of comfortable with it? And I think that worries me. (laughs) Do you ever feel like that too? (laughs) Yeah, it's really interesting because I guess I'm the opposite. Like when I'm starting to find myself plateauing or getting comfortable, I'm like, right, I'm ready for a level up. So that's sort of when I go, uh, you know, like the, the coach that I've invested in now, it's, it's a lean, it's a real lean in for me. Yeah. But for me, that feels really expansive. And I know for other people that might not. 
And I think this is the thing is that when you are looking at your relationship with money, like any relationship in life, you don't just have a relationship and then it stays like that forever. It's it's something that will change at different points in time, depending on other factors that are going on around you, um, where you're both at, you know, and yeah. I, and I guess that's the thing that, you know, I like to think about money as like having an actual relationship. It's like, hey, we're in a great place right now. Or, hey, you know, we've been through a bit of a rough patch or, you know, we need to mix things up. And yeah, maybe, you know, that comfortable phase that you're talking about, maybe it's like, hey, let's start getting, you know, expansive, getting uncomfortable. And for me, I talk about this a lot, but it's that growth doesn't happen when we're comfortable. Great. And I really believe that there is discomfort in up leveling. And for me, I kind of, I, I, I'm starting to be a little bit addicted to that discomfort of growth. And I really encourage people if they want to create a different outcome to go, well, yes, if you keep doing the same thing that you've been doing, chances are you'll achieve a similar kind of outcome. But if you want to achieve something really different, then yeah, we kind of probably have to do something different. I couldn't agree with you more. We, we have a sort of saying in our company, which is obviously running a high performance consultancy for SMEs. It's like, as soon as we feel like we got this, I'm going to start throwing wrenches into the machinery because <laughs> that's where the first step towards death. And as soon as we're comfortable, we've stopped. And that's this whole idea. And I think people have this almost this quest to be comfortable, which is just an illusion. It's the illusion of slowing down. Everyone wants to feel challenged, but just challenged enough where they can control it, where you, you sound a bit like me, which is, no, nah, let's, let's just see where this slippery slide goes. We'll be able to handle it. <laughs> there might be a couple of turns that we need to navigate and they might hurt a couple of times, but that's where the growth is, isn't it? And maybe that's a great segue to the work you've got into because Obviously, you've got a really prominent and exciting podcast at the moment. Can you take me to when that decision was made? Because I assume that's also part of the lead-in for your consultancy and the, the work you do with people. But what made you decide to launch a podcast and so successfully? <laughs> so I actually saw uh, another lady in business and she did this podcast episode about her $100,000 launch. Right. And I was sitting there thinking, imagine making a hundred thousand dollars in one go. And for where I was at in my business at that point in time, that seemed impossible. Yeah. So anyway, I reached out to her and said, Hey, can I work with you? And um, she's now become a friend of mine. Uh, but at the time we, we had this, we had a couple of sessions together. And one of the things she said to me is, you have to create a podcast. And I was like, Oh. I don't want to create a podcast. It's so much <laughs> effort. And I've also got this horrible Queensland accent that I thought no one would ever want to listen to my voice on a podcast. <laughs> it was honestly one of my biggest insecurities was my, my you know, very Australian slash Queensland accent. So anyway, she basically said to me multiple times, I can't stress to you highly enough how much you need to create a podcast because you're selling energy, you're selling transformation. And through a podcast platform, people can hear your energy. They can connect with you. So I reluctantly recorded a couple of episodes of the podcast and I decided to do a bit of a hype around it. I got all my family and friends to share it and got my biz buddies to share it. You know, the night before it went to launch, I, said, I rang one of my friends and I was crying and I said, it's so bad. And I'm like, I can't even, it sounds so fake. Um, it doesn't sound very natural. And I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And she talked me off the ledge and she's like, I would tell you, I'm one of your best mates. If it was crap, I would tell you because I don't want you to fall in the face. So anyway, I launched the podcast. It went to number two in the business charts. 
It's remained in the charts for entrepreneurship since. And it's just, honestly, it has completely changed my business life. I am so grateful. If she's listening, Stevie from Stevie Says Social, she was the one that really encouraged me to launch my podcast. (laughs) And it's just become such a powerful, powerful platform. Um, I definitely think if anyone is listening and wants to grow their podcast, a couple of things that I've done that have really helped. Firstly, getting guests on that have big profiles. Because when they share with their audience, people like go and listen to them. And so you end up with their listeners um, coming over if they resonate with your vibe. Another thing that I've done is always ask my audience, hey, if you love this episode, share it to your social media. A lot of podcasters ask for reviews and subscribes and things like that. And I do ask for that. But a big focus for me is always like, if you love this, please share it. And I really think for me, that has really, really helped my listenership because people are sharing on their social media platforms or like, you know, I had a new client the other day and she's like, my mom and I listened to your podcast and I found, yeah, friend told me I had to listen. <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, I know my podcast isn't for everyone and that's totally fine. But if you are wanting to grow a, a listenership, I do think that those are some strategies and that having a podcast is such a powerful way, regardless of what industry you're in to build a following and to build a really deep connection with your audience. Do you enjoy it now, Claire? I love it. (laughs) Yes. It's so funny. (laughs) And this is what I mean about discomfort. The first podcast I was a guest on, I had a panic attack and I had to say, I was was shaking. I was like this. (laughs) Sorry to laugh at that. I was like, I was like, we have to stop the recording. And she was, she has quite a big podcast and she was like, are you serious? And I was like, I can't, I can't do this. And now like it's such a natural part of my business and my life. It's become such a beautiful, easy way for me to do my marketing. And this is what we talk about, like pushing through discomfort. It was so uncomfortable for me to hear my voice, to speak, to, you know, push through the nerves. And now it's become something that I genuinely love to do. It's one of my favorite parts of marketing my business is my podcast and being on other podcasts. Well, maybe tell me a little bit more about the business because it's obviously a wonderful lead generation tool for you. Not that that was probably the initial intention, but there is something about that. And I I think for a lot of the SMEs that we deal with, it's We've been doing a lot of education, particularly over the last 12 months around, I'll use the phrase new media, but we've owned a digital agency for 10 years. So it's not really new media anymore. It's just sort of social media and all, but understanding that the investment of time, energy, resources, it's unlike other marketing channels, isn't it? It's the lag and the it's the time that it takes to curate an audience that become very loyal once they hear you and stick with you, because you know that they generally have an interest with you. But if you have you had to use the podcast or temper the way you approach it to try and turn it into a more commercial arm for you? Or is it just that genuine energy you put into it that is creating the the opportunities for you? I guess I'd say a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Um, it, it's a little bit naive to presume that someone would invest the time and energy into creating a podcast just for the good. <laughs> um, I mean, sorry, I know outside of business world, a lot of people do that. But like for me, it is a lot of time and energy. I spend a lot of time curating the content around it and finding amazing guests to come on the podcast. And yes, it's definitely a, an intentional marketing channel for me. I absolutely talk about my offerings through the podcast and say, hey, you know, I've launched a new course today, actually. I was just sharing with you before. And so, of course, in my podcast, I talk about this is what I'm offering. This is what I'm selling. This is how you can work with me. But in saying that as well, like last year for me was a, a really big growth year in my business. And I felt like I was just, I was launching every month. I was selling, selling, selling all the time. 
And for 2021, my word is impact. And I want to make, um, have impact whether people are investing with me or not. And nothing lights me up more than someone who's like, I've, you know, I, I listen to your podcast and I put this strategy in place and I've had this win. And even if they don't work with me now or even ever, like I've helped to make a difference in their life. But at the same time, yes, it is a, a, an intentional marketing um, platform for me, but I'm loving it for the other the reasons as well, for the fact of giving back and building connection and, and helping people. All kudos to you, by the way. I've got no issue with intentional um, marketing channels. I mean, this is the point, I think, for a lot of our listeners, particularly in the SME space, it's understanding that some of these, what might not be seen as direct marketing channels, it's important around brand. It's important around, I assume when people give you a call, they basically feel like they know you. It just cuts through the process of wanting to buy from you, having that authority, getting to see, hey, you're a real person. You're a, yeah, I want to do business with you. We've had the same experience with ours. We're a little bit different because this was more, a, I want to speak to some interesting people. It was just a, more an, an egotistical thing of, I want to meet other people that are doing the interesting things because I enjoy the chats, frankly. So <laughs> to actually hear how you're using it, it's a, it's a thing that we haven't delved into just as for the reasons I've said before, but I, I find it fascinating for people who are really using this effectively or this medium effectively. And I, I think that cuts into the maybe the core belief, and I, I love this getting to know you and, and this idea that you believe anyone can start a million-dollar business because I've got a very similar outlook Tell me why you believe this, because I think this is extremely interesting for some of the smaller businesses that or owners listening to our podcast. But I've seen this a thousand times. You must have seen it equally as so. Can you tell me your belief around this? Because I think this is critical for people to understand that a million dollar business isn't such a stretch for basically anyone and probably anyone who can access this podcast. Yeah, it's really interesting that you said that. And actually, since then, um, since I shared that message in that blog, I've been called on it by um, an ethical copywriter, um, rightfully so. And she said it's a, it's a little bit naive to presume that anyone anywhere in the world can build a million-dollar business. Um, some people don't even have access to to podcasts or to computers or phones. So since then, I'm, I'm positioning it slightly differently. But, <laughs> you know, a, a lot of people who aren't living in a poverty situation and who do have access to technology and education and other things that we do, Yes, I definitely believe can build a million dollar business. And the reason why I believe this is because I help people do this all the time. <laughs> a lot of my clients come to me. I you know, only take on a small number of clients who are sort of at that six figure mark. They've got to that point where their business is growing and they're just like, I'm happy with this business. And that's where I start to really unlock, hey, what, what if you were to build a million dollar business? And a lot of people have a resistance to it. They're like, that's not possible for me. It's not possible in my industry. I don't want to launch courses. I don't want to have a podcast, whatever. I don't want to have social media. There's a whole bunch of excuses around why people don't want to do it. And when we unpick it, most people actually do desire to create more income in their life because money means freedom, money means choices, and money even means helping other people. So firstly, it's actually unlocking that block that a lot of people have, which is I don't want a million dollar business is what a lot of other people, what a lot of people yeah. initially say. And then once we've unpicked that story, it's then starting to, you know, through the money mindset work that I do, I show people and I share like screenshots and say, hey, this client of mine, she was making 20K a month when we first started working together. She's on track to hit 70. 
This is not a fluke. This can happen when you say, I want this, I believe it's possible. And then you take aligned actions to shift your business closer to what it is that you desire. And a big part of that, I believe, is, is having patience. Um, oh, you know, I knew I couldn't build a million dollar business. Like we started three months ago, like chill out. <laughs> but, you know, once you, once you do have um, that underlying belief, that is the foundation that you can then build, build the house on. And I really think that if you want it, if you desire it, then you, and you truly believe that you deserve it, you can start to create it. We play in similar spaces, but very different products in, as in we're in there in the business weekly helping SMEs grow. And one of the conditions as the business evolved was if we hear that idea of, I don't think I can, you don't qualify as a client for us because we're in playing in a slightly different stage. And it's for the things that you said, which is this whole idea that a number dictates the way you should feel. Like what is a million? At the end of the day, none of us care. It's about what you're keeping. So I know a lot of people doing multiple seven, eight figure businesses. Doesn't mean they're making any money. It <laughs> yeah, exactly. doesn't mean, and I know some people who are running brilliant sub-million, just over the million that are having wonderful lives. They've got their business fine-tuned. They've got enough money for them and their family. Who's more successful? And I think this whole idea, and I, I realize why you would say a million dollars, because it's such a trigger for people. But it, when you really understand what it means, it, it's so interesting, the psychology around they'd be happy with a $900,000 business because they could fathom it. But as soon as it clicks into one extra figure, oh no, that feels like a lot of management. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? It's easier to run a million dollar business than a $200,000 business by a mile. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I've picked that number just as an arbitrary yeah. <laughs> number. It's, it's, yeah. I guess it's been the space that I really play in is sort of the six-figure people who are wanting, who, who feel stuck at that sort of stage. Yeah. Um, for my private coaching, I have created products to help people to get to the six-figure mark because I realize there's a whole other bunch of challenges there. Yeah. But I think this is the thing that, you know, I definitely believe is it's like it's having the belief that it's possible. And as soon as you can yeah. unlock that, you know, and it doesn't matter what the number is. Like, you know, if it's, if I said to someone, you can have a six-figure business and they're like, no, I can't. That would never happen. And then we get there and then they're like, right, what's next? And then they're like, right, I'm going to go up to 300,000. It's like amazing. And the thing is too with, with this feedback loop around our belief system is that when we are constantly getting a story reiterated to us, I now have seen reiterated so many times that you want to scale, you want to build a million dollar business, you can do it because I watch people around me do it and I support my clients to do yeah. it. For me, that's become a, a truth. That's become a reality. Of course you can do that. Whereas like, I think that if you are always looking for examples of why something isn't possible, and let's be honest, statistically, what is it like 95% of businesses fail? Yeah, I yeah. don't see that. I do not see that. Like, this is not in my circle. This is not like happening in the, in the peer groups that I mix in. But, you know, if you were to be a, if, if that's the kind of um, lens that you want to look at things through, statistically, I guess that you could get evidence that people don't build million dollar businesses and most people end up folding them. But that's not my truth. That's not my reality. That's not what I see. And that's not what I lean into. So that's why my truth might be very different to other people's. But you get to choose what your belief system is. You get to choose who you surround yourself with. You get to choose the money story that you create in your life. And I know which one I'm creating. 
again, I, I agree totally. And I think this is a, such an interesting thing because that statistic is is spot on. 90 to 95% of businesses fail within the first decade, 25% in the first year, and then basically it keeps going on. But the thing that I think most people don't understand that that's because anyone can start a business. I used to have something, I'm not sure if it's so PC anymore, but I'll say it and Nigel can edit it out. I'm sure he won't. But it is like, why are there huge failure rates in businesses and marriages? Because it doesn't take much to do it, right? There's no training around it. There's these things anyone can jump in. So of course, there's going to be high failure rates. But around business particularly, it's a type of business. It's why some business people, and particularly now, some of the things I'm involved with, we never expect to lose money. We go into things with principles, the things you do over and over again, and sometimes things work, sometimes they don't. But it's certainly not at the failure rates of everyone else. And I'm sure you see that with your clients once they start putting in the right principles. Their percentage of failure is going to diminish greatly because there's some fundamental truths about building a business. The problem is most people just don't know them. Do you have that experience as well? Do you know what you've just reminded me, which I had totally forgot in my like tunnel vision positive lens? I've had two failed businesses <laughs> that I've set up um, in the past. One was an e-com business and um, it never even saw the light of day. We never even made a sale because um, it was just <laughs> got too complicated. And I actually incorporated our business um, many, many moons ago as a side hustle, which again, never actually created a revenue. So yeah. when we look at this, yeah, like I've created two businesses that didn't work, which have totally yeah. slipped my mind. But yeah, you're totally right. And I definitely do think that a lot of people like I did in the past, they kind of start this thing, it's all too hard, give up on it, walk away from it, it's not aligned. Or they do go through a tough time. And this is something that I say to people, I can't tell you how hard this game of business is. It is not for everyone. And if it was for everyone, everyone will be doing it. I have had the highest highs in my business and the lowest lows, and I bet that most business owners can relate to that so much. It is really, really tough gig. But when you succeed, when you surround yourself with the right people, when you've got the right strategies and marketing and um, belief behind you, yeah, I believe that you can create anything it is that you desire. I believe that's exactly right. And I'm, I'm big on this. And we've, as I said, we're lucky enough to have started to, to get some momentum in our companies. I'm not interested in anyone who disrespects all of us trying to build businesses by dabbling in the game that we're all playing. And I'm big on, if you dabble in the game that we're all playing, and I hope this doesn't offend any listeners, we will destroy you because we're not dabblers. We respect the game. We respect the hardship of it. And we try and get everyone there, but we do not dabble. If we do something, it's with intention and result because we're playing for keeps. It hurts when you get a business wrong. It hurts when you lose everything you've worked for. It hurts when you lose all your money. It hurts when you lose a customer. It's all these things. And I, I find that that's a lot of the time, 20 to 40% of business owners think that a side hustle or dabbling in something's a bit of fun. It gets pretty serious when you start to get of something of significance. You, you don't want to play this game if you're not ready to go all in. Do you subscribe to that same sort of mindset? Yeah, I mean, for me, my business is like such an integral part of me. I am so, so passionate mm. about the work that I do. But, you know, I also, I don't know, I respect if that's not everyone's jam. Yeah. Um, look, that's you know, a game. Um, know the game you're playing, right? <laughs> my, my husband runs up. He's, he's right in the room next to He runs a, a recruitment yeah. firm. And I know that he loves his job, but for him, it's it's not as all-consuming as it is for me. Yeah. 
And I don't think that makes him any less of a business owner or a success. But I totally know what you mean that if you want to win in the game of business, you have to do the work and you have to have the belief. And um, the reason, I guess, why my other two businesses failed is because I just didn't even put in the effort. Like I was just like, oh, it's too hard. I'll give it up. And um, that's sort of why the results that I got was what I got. But that's how we learn, isn't it? I mean, we've we've all had some of those businesses in the past that we're just looking back now. What was I thinking to even try and do that with the under-resourced, not enough energy, didn't know anything about that industry. It It looked like fun. I'm like, no, that was, I got exactly what I deserved. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, where to from now for you, your business, the media empire? <laughs> where, media where, where empire? To? Oh, my goodness. I think that's, a, <laughs> maybe that's down the track. Um, so at the moment, like my big goals for 2021 and the coming years, I'm writing a book at the moment and um, I'm hoping to release it either at the end of this year or early next year, um, which is, of course, in the space of money. Uh, I've got these digital products that I've created. So I've got a membership, I've got a mastermind and I've got a course and my plans are really to scale that offering. I'm so, so proud of the products that I've created. And last year for me was like, these were all just things that I created last year. And now that I've got these, these offerings, this year is really about scaling those offerings, um, allowing more people to come in. I do also have um, an idea, I haven't told anyone this yet, but I'll tell you, to launch a podcast, another podcast that to your point, Mike, is more, it would just be for fun and um, but, but sort of still related to business. So um, yeah, there's a lot going on. I obviously love very much what I do and um, the work that I'm doing. And I, I think there's nothing more that lights me up than being able to support people to change their lives. And I'm sure you're exactly the same, TK. Like the other day I was crying and, you know, I cry a lot. And my husband was like, what are you, <laughs> what are you crying about? And I was like, check out these messages. And my, my masterminders were sending through all their wins. And I'm like, this is what it's all about. Like this, like this, I'm, I'm helping people change their lives. And that for me is like, yes, I love money and I want to make lots of money. But being able to do that in a way that's helping other people as well is it's just the most incredible feeling. So I guess that's the addiction, isn't it? That feeling when a client comes in for a win, it's far more rewarding than anything you ever bring home. We had a wonderful experience the other day with a guy that started with us years ago and he basically lost three quarters of his business. And he had to sit there with his wife and speak about, should I come on? Should I get involved? It was a big financial decision at the time for him. It wasn't really, it was a fear type thing, which I'm sure you're familiar with. But he, he came past the other day and called. He goes, you've got to come down like in a real gruff. I was like, okay, something's going on. He walks out, he's standing in front of this new sports car. He goes, I finally got it. And I'm like, it's not a sports car. It's not this. But for him, it was a it was the moment where the decision and trust and faith in himself and his family paid off into, you know, whatever. I don't care if it's a sports car, but for him, a red sports car was a red sports car. So good on him. But I just, to me, I'm sitting there going, why is this better than everything, anything I've ever bought for myself in my whole life? Why am I getting more enjoyment? This guy gets to drive off in his sports car. But it's that addiction, isn't it? To see people challenge their belief in life, to be able to do simple things, but stick with it. I mean, it's it's addictive. I'm, I could tell from you, you got the same addiction I have. It's just great to see people win. <laughs> it's so awesome. I was actually laughing when you said that because one of my clients, Went up to um Kuali. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's this beautiful yeah, resort yeah, up in yeah, the Sundays. Yeah. And she flew it in a freaking helicopter. 
And I was like <laughs> watching this being like, I would love to do that. But I was thinking, going, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that this is actually happening for you. Um, so no, it's, it's a really cool feeling. Yeah, I love it. I want to ask you, so you've just jogged my memory. One of the rules we put in for our clients, and I'd be interested to hear your take, is you must buy yourself presence as part of the journey. And one of the things around, I guess, our money mindset work and when people start to get some free cash or create some personal wealth that I force them to spend on themselves. And we used to call it, you have to buy yourself something dumb. Dumb being a word that we, we would force people to relearn that it's okay to reward yourself it doesn't mean it's selfish. And I've found that a real trigger for our clients that they were looking for permission at the start to do something, but they've forgotten what it's like to actually be a kid and buy something you like. I don't know if you subscribe to that and perhaps that's the opposite of good money management. But for me, from a, a money mindset shift, that's worked wonders for a lot of our clients to get to the breakthrough of, oh my God, I'm okay to buy myself something. It's not selfish. Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree that allowing yourself to, you know, it, it's, I had this episode of my podcast recently called the relationship between self-worth and wealth. And a lot of times we forget that we're worthy of nice things or of, uh, and you know, a lot of time I don't necessarily um, say it has to be gifts to my clients, but even it can be the gift of space or time. And for, you know, sometimes with my clients, I say, well, why don't you just, yeah. you know, have a night off and go to the gym or um, one of the things that we love, to, you know, I love to say to my, I've got a lot of female clients, obviously, um, is like run a bath and just go and like in the middle of a work day, go and have the gift of time and you were deserving and you're so yeah. worthy of it. So whether it's material things, whether it's buying something nice for yourself or just saying, I deserve this space. I deserve to clock off from social media tonight. I deserve to have a weekend. I think that, you know, allowing yourself to be treated and to be spoiled is a yeah. huge part. Like it's, it's, it's reiterating that, that sense of self-worth and self-care. And there is a strong connection between self-worth and wealth. Again, couldn't agree more. And I, I think for us, it's always we try and get our clients to buy back their week. We start with half a day or an hour, then they buy their Friday, then they buy their Thursday. And then we run out of days and they're suddenly out of their business with a business running itself, which for us, we call stage one of owning a business. But it's that, that whole process is when they get their first day off where you don't even have to go into the business. It's like mind blown. I didn't know a business didn't need me. I go, yeah, because you're an egomaniac, you know? <laughs> but I'm being silly. <laughs> which is, but this is the whole idea of life can be whatever you build. And I assume from what you were saying earlier, that's you subscribe to the same thing. As soon as you can see what you want, well, let's just put in the strategies and execute them so we can get it. Yeah. And it's crazy how quickly you can start to shift towards what you desire when you set the intention and have yeah. the belief it's possible. I was the egomaniac myself. I was like, my business is freaking Claire Wood. Claire Wood doesn't operate without Claire Wood. <laughs> And then um, I've started doing, you know, a half day where I have with my my kids. And now on Fridays, I have a full day. I am working, but usually we're like, you know, it's it's strategy. It's no client work, no meetings. It's, yeah. you know, usually down at the beach or in a nice coffee shop or, you know, over a cocktail or oh. something. So I'm definitely loving that. I love that you've stepped people totally out of business. I think this inspired me to start to bring this to my clients. We're still at the stage where they're starting to step back a bit, but haven't actually removed anyone completely from the business yet, but super inspiring. And I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, to finish off, Claire, and again, thank you for your time and sharing so generously with, with our audience. Being the Backable podcast, let me ask you this. What's your superpower? What, what makes you backable? Because there's no chance you're not going to win. What is it about you? I think 
for me, my big thing is that I know that I can't fail. And I have such an unwavering belief in my inevitable success that that's why I know <laughs> that I'm going to be successful because yeah. I've, I, I've had so many challenges, struggles, failures, and I won't give up because I know that it's coming for me. And I know that it's possible for anyone as well. And that's what I help other people unlock in themselves is that same sense of your success is inevitable. And even if you stumble along the way, it's all going to work out okay. One last question. When did you really know? When did I really know? It, I guess it was when I did the money mindset work. Yeah. So I've done a lot of courses in this space. I've done a lot of work on myself and uncovering childhood beliefs, fears, everything. But for me, probably the last couple of years, I've been like, and the confidence that I can speak about, it's like, this is done. I, I knew that I was going to be a huge success when my bank balance was telling me a very different story. Yeah. And I think that's why I think it all starts with what you believe. And then if you're like unwavering in that and you're like, yes, this is coming, it's happening, then the results will flow. Claire, thank you for being so generous with our audience. It's wonderful to meet you. For everyone listening, check out the links below for all Claire's socials, her products, and check out the podcast, the Claire Wood podcast, which you'll see a link also below. Thank you again for your time. Wonderful to meet you and look forward to having a chat again, Claire. Thanks, TK. See ya. <laughs> Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you to Claire for joining us and thank you to you for listening. If you want to connect with Claire, click the links on the show notes below and make sure you check out the Claire Wood podcast. It is filled with a ton of useful information. If you have enjoyed the podcast, please share the episode on your social so that others can too. And as always, don't forget to like, follow and leave a review. Have a great week.